Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamakar Sandu from Toronto in Canada, and my oh my, what a weekend we've just had, Sandu. UFC 257. Let's not mess about. Let's just dive straight in. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler, the, the Khabib Namagamedov sweepstakes. It was huge. Absolutely everything and anything was up for grabs on Saturday night. And we had two underdogs coming through with flying colors. Huge weekend. Give us your initial reaction first off. Huge event. Massive. I'm um, shocked. I'm ecstatic. Um, all the kind of range of emotions in between. Um, let's just be honest about it. Like, you know, a couple of Brits. I work for a UK and Irish broadcast partner. You want the Brits to do well. You definitely want Conor McGregor to do well because when he does well, there is a domino effect on the business at, in large, globally, uh, but specifically kind of close to home for, for those of us that work in the UK and Irish MMA scene. So from that aspect, obviously not the great result, but that being said, when you're just covering the sport, you're involved in the business, and you see someone like Dustin Poirier come through, given what he's been through, to put on a performance like that, in the main event against the biggest superstar, the biggest draw, not just in MMA right now, but in combat sports, what an incredible achievement for him. He's leveled the, 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 the playing field between the two in regards to their rivalry. It's now one and one. But ultimately what this has done, it's, it's elevated him. He's, he's now in, an, in a situation where not only he has to, he must be fighting for the title next, but the way he's positioned himself with regards to who he particularly wants to fight, i.e. a potential Conor McGregor trilogy or maybe even a Nate Diaz fight, he's putting himself in the conversation to be potentially fighting against guys who are big draws, which means Conor, not only does Dustin want to become champion, he wants to cash in. And so he's put himself in an incredibly powerful position right now. But back to your question, Simon, with regards to just my initial reaction shocked ecstatic i'm still buzzing from the event overall it's a big event i love a big ufc fight week you know it doesn't get any bigger than conor mcgregor and i'm still recovering let's put it that way how about you yeah i i i didn't watch the prelims live um normally i will watch you know the full card but i had a double shift um for for mma junkie and rt sport on sunday starting at 9 a.m so I knew that if I'd stay up all through the night, I'm going to be an absolute mess by the time my RT shift had finished at 7 p.m. So I took a tactical nap. I woke up at quarter to three in the morning and then I just went straight through. And I actually stayed up and watched both NFL championship games as well, which has left me somewhat broken at this point. I am in such a mess. I'm slightly sleep deprived, but I was buzzing through Sunday. It was absolutely huge. I mean, the Poirier McGregor fight, it was it was fascinating to watch because we had this situation where Dustin Poirier, the vast majority of people, ourselves included, thought that he was going to lose that fight. We thought Conor McGregor was going to come in there, put on a huge performance, and set up a potentially huge rematch with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Dustin Poirier went in there and put on tactically a perfect performance against Conor McGregor. He took him down early in the first round, started to work on on uh, something they perceived to be a weak link, the cardio. Then he went for the, the front leg with the leg kicks. And obviously, he got him to the point where he felt he was able to really let fly with his hands without getting caught and uh, finished him with strikes. Huge performance. Huge performance. And uh, just watching the whole card, you know, the prelims were, were not the best, looking back at them now. Uh, the main card delivered. We had some great stuff. The only fight in the main card that went to a decision was Jojo Calderwood against Jessica I. That was a fun fight. Jojo getting the win. But really, it was all about those two big, lightweight fights. And before we really deep dive into them, Sandu, let's, let's put some context on it. Just leading into fight night. Um, in fact, it started in midweek, didn't it? There was this much-rumoured meeting was going to happen between Khabib Magomedov and Dana White. It happened at a UAE Warriors event. Um, and we were told we're going to get a yes or no. That's what we were told. We're going to get a yes or no from Khabib. What did we get? We got, yeah, maybe. Okay. So he turned apparently, apparently what Khabib said was someone's got to go out and impress me, go out and do something spectacular. 
we were told. Well, Dustin Poirier went out and did something spectacular. He handed Conor McGregor his first TKO defeat of his MMA career. Michael Chandler did something spectacular. He put Dan Hooker away in half a round, and you don't do that with Dan Hooker. And then Khabib turns around and goes, yeah, I'm not really that interested. So, but it meant that these guys went in there and really went for it. You know, there was a big carrot in front of them. Whether that carrot was a complete smokescreen, we can talk about later. But what we saw were two career-defining performances from Poirier and Michael Chandler. Is that how it felt to you watching them on fight night? Did you feel that they were really playing up to the uh, to the occasion and really looking to sort of make their mark as a, hey, I'm the guy that should be fighting this guy for the belt? I don't even think Khabib came, came into a factor for those guys, to be honest with you. I think the majority of people in the business feel like Khabib's not really going to come back and this is all just good pre-fight you know, promotion by the UFC and Dana White to kind of really kind of keep him in there in the mix in terms of the new cycle and whatnot. The key takeaway from that Dana White looking for a fight video um, was a small little clip that went viral and it was basically Dana talking to Khabib about how the numbers were trending for UFC 257 and hey look could you imagine what you and Connor could do in a rematch well look that's gone Connor just took an L so forget about Connor and Khabib in that rematch because that's the furthest thing from anyone's mind right now in this business you know especially Khabib like he is not going to be fighting Connor anytime soon and who knows if he'll ever fight Connor ever again right so let's just take that off the table for the time being right now I think from Michael Chandler's point of view, it was just a case of I'm making my UFC debut and I need to impress. There's no guarantee about him fighting Khabib. There's no guarantee about him fighting for the UFC lightweight championship anytime soon. The thing he needed to do was just impress. And because of Conor McGregor in the main event, you got so many eyeballs on you. And he did that. Dustin Poirier, his motivation was I've already taken an L to this guy. This is my chance to get revenge. Otherwise, Connor does a double on Dustin is the headlines come Monday morning, come, come, come Sunday and Monday, right? So he got, you know, his revenge. And now, like I said before, he is in the absolute mix with the big boys in that lightweight division. Right now, and again, going back to the press conference, Dustin Poirier said two things that stood out to me. The first thing is he wants to become champion because when you're a champion, even that one time, you're a champion forever. People will look back at, back at your career and your legacy as you were the champion. Right now, he's, his only claim is interim champion. That's not good enough for him, right? Anyone right, that's got half a brain must understand he has to be fighting for the championship next. Who we can talk about in a bit, right? And then, like I said, the other thing is, look, he really wants that Conor McGregor trilogy fight. And again, in many aspects, it makes sense. It's one and one. Dustin believes that Conor is still one of the best lightweights in the world. But I'm sorry, Conor McGregor cannot be fighting for a UFC lightweight championship next. He just took an L. You got to And again, we'll do some Conor McGregor fantasy matchmaking next. But to answer your question, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, their motivations, in my opinion, include Khabib because what they had on at, you know, at stake come Saturday night was big enough and they both delivered in absolute spades. So that's my take. Again, I, I want to know what you think, Simon, in terms of going into this situation, especially with Michael Chan. By the way, really shout out to the UFC and Bruce Buffer for introducing him as the former Bellator lightweight champion. I thought that, I thought that was a really classy thing to do because he's your guy now and you want to put him on the biggest platform possible and it legitimizes his background and where he comes from for, for people that perhaps weren't familiar with him, just UFC fans and not MMA fans. But that all being aside, Simon, what was your take with regards to stakes involved, the output and the eventual result from both Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier? Yeah, I think you had two guys in very different points in their career, both going for the same goal, right? They both want to become... UFC lightweight champion, okay? Dustin Poirier, it's been a quest of his ever since he moved up to 155 pounds. He has fought everybody, everybody in that lightweight division. And pretty much with the exception of Khabib, he's beaten them all as well. So he is, this is a guy who, you talk about people who've been around the sport for a long time and done, done the hard yards, taken their licks and have just kept coming back, kept coming back. Dustin Poirier, is one of those. He's gonna he's gonna be a Hall of Famer by the time he hangs his gloves up, no doubt about it. He, and 
for him to go in there and put on the performance that he did, I thought was outstanding. It was a testament to him as an athlete. It was a testament to how much he's grown since that first fight. Because obviously he got beat in just over a minute and a half last time by McGregor, who had completely psyched him out going into their first fight at UFC 178. But he's a different man. He's a different fighter. He's much cooler under pressure now. Um, granted, he didn't have to deal with a barrage of McGregor wind-up tactics in the lead-up to the fight. It was nice and cordial, which I think actually helped Dustin Poirier going in. But on fight night, it was brilliant in terms of his performance. Shout-out to uh, to Mikey Brown, his coach, you know, long-time veteran of the sport, uh, one of the most respected coaches in the game, and they had the game plan absolutely nailed down. As for Michael Chandler, this was his coming-out party. He's been, and I said it on last week's show, he is an elite athlete. That was a term I used. And for those who don't watch Bellator, now they know, right? I put it out on Twitter on the night. I said, if you didn't know, now you know. This guy's been an elite athlete for years. The biggest problem he's had is he hasn't had the consistency of elite-level opposition. When he's been in there with elite-level opposition, we've seen how good he is. Um, and um, for him to turn around and do what he did to Dan Hooker, who is one of the toughest, most durable trickiest stylistic fighters for him to have faced on his debut on his debut with all of the pressure and the, the tension and the worry and the octagon jitters that people deal with on their debut to deal with all of that and to do it on a Conor McGregor card and produce a performance like that is, I mean, hats off to the guy and then to cap it all off, to get on the microphone and uh, drop the old Ric Flair uh, promo at the end. I mean, that was, that was an 11 out of 10 performance for me. He did it in the cage with the performance. He did it on the microphone afterwards. I do I do rookie report for um, MMA Junkie. He was the only rookie on the card on Saturday night. He got an A-plus grade from me for, for his performance. Absolutely outstanding. The question now is, what happens with the belt? You know, it, clearly Khabib is not that bothered about coming back. Dana was just basically clinging on. A bit like um, someone who's sort of desperately trying to pull a... Paul, this girl he likes at the club and she kind of look, glances at him every now and again, but he's never really that interested. That's kind of Dana and Khabib right now. You know, he, anything that gives him the inkling that he's got a chance, he's going to hang on. I think that chance has gone. The ship has sailed. Um, if Khabib wanted a new test, Michael Chandler's there staring at him. England, uh, sorry, uh, America versus Russia. Wrestler versus wrestler. You know, th th it would have been an incredible... Uh, marketing opportunity for UFC and they didn't they you know they haven't got the chance to do it Khabib's out so for me there's three fighters in the mix there's three fighters in the mix you've got Michael Chandler you've got Dustin Poirier and you've got Charles Oliveira they are the three three into two doesn't go Sandu so who is going to be the odd man out who should be the odd man out because in my personal opinion Dustin Poirier should have a belt over his shoulder right now. That fight on Saturday should have been for a title. All this could be business. It was all smoke and mirrors. That should have been a title fight on Saturday night. And for me, Dustin Poirier is the UFC lightweight champion in my mind right now. But he doesn't have the belt. So if we think he deserves to be in that fight, who should he fight, Sandu? Should it be Charlie Olives or should it be uh, Michael Chandler? Or should it be someone else? Well, look, I already put it out there. It's got to be Michael Chandler for me because... Everyone knows who's, who he is now. He's, he was a Conor McGregor card, and he put on a performance like that. He beat a legit top guy in Dan Hooker in the first round. It was like completely, almost flawless, his performance. Like you said, cuts of incredible promo, hearkening back to the Ric Flair promo from the 1992 Royal Rumble, completely melted my screen. Anything that you could have asked for or requested for someone making their UFC debut, Michael Chandler did because he's a pro. He's not in his 20s working his way up the UFC ladder. He's coming into the promotion completely polished. He understands the game. He knows how to play the game. And it kind of goes back to what I've said repeatedly on this podcast. Other fighters should be looking at what Michael Chandler did, not just in the cage, but after, the, you know, after his performance, on, on the mic, his post-fight interview. The UFC, the matchmakers, Dana White, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for you, the fighters, to essentially do all the hard work for them. You know, set up your future fights. 
he's put himself in a position where if he's not going to be fighting for the title next, he's going to be in a pre, he's going to be in a marquee fight, whether it's a fight night headliner, another co-main event on a pay-per-view, and he's going to be fighting uh, literally in a, he'll be in a number one contender situation. We'll get to him in a second. I want to go back to Khabib again for a second though, because pre-fight, the whole thing we saw on looking for a you know fight and Dana White tried to tempt him for a Conor rematch, that's off the table now. Conor's lost, right? In the post-fight press conference, Dana White says again, "This is coming from Khabib via Dana White. He's levels above these guys." That was the quote. He's levels above these guys. So he just beat Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier won. Probably not going to be motivated to fight Dustin Poirier. As far as Khabib goes, I think he's done. I'm pretty confident about him being done with the lightweight division. I think. It could be a matter of days or hours, but where I'm pretty confident pretty soon he'll vacate the UFC lightweight championship and then we can start to speculate and until we get some you know confirmation from the UFC in terms of what's going to happen next with the with the belt and the championship. I genuinely feel like if Khabib is ever even going to think about coming back, the only fight out there now is going to be George St. Pierre. That dream fight at a catch weight at, say, 160 or 165, something like that. But speculate, speculating about Khabib and his future is probably a conversation for another day and another time. I think the, 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 the belt right now is going to be vacated sooner rather than later. Now, to answer your question, Dustin Poirier is definitely going to be fighting for the title next. And if he isn't, there'll be complete uproar from the entire MMA community. For me, it's got to be Michael Chandler, like I said at the beginning of this conversation. So you do Dustin Chandler. I think for Connor, and again, we'll get to him and you know his path back to the title and what have you, but I think for Connor, he's got to fight Diaz next. The, per- the time is perfect now to do the Diaz trilogy. The thing about Charles Oliveira is this, Simon. Meritocracy-wise, he's got a fantastic resume. He's got this incredible win streak. What's against him, though, is star power. It's the fact that he doesn't really you know, cut promos or make himself visible. He doesn't speak English. His, his, everything comes through a translator. And in this particular division, I mean, in, in other divisions, right, like a Devinson Figueredo, you can get away with it, right? In this lightweight division where there's ap- it's absolutely stock full of star power, you've got to check every single box. So for me, you do Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, and Nate Diaz, and one of the guys that's you know in that you know mix of guys, but just given what he went through in 2020, Tony Ferguson, sorry, for the time being, he's not in that mix. You've got to give Tony Ferguson someone top 10, a, a peg back, a bit of a warm-up fight, get his mojo going again. I don't want to see Tony in the mix with any of those top guys just for the time being. So that's how I'd book it, Simon. Um, I'm sure you've got uh, you know, a, an opinion on how you would fancy matchmake this UFC lightweight division, so let me hear it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting and uh, because <laughs> in many ways – the the arrival of, of Michael Chandler has kind of thrown a thrown a spanner in the works, isn't it? Because it, he's an extra man in there. And yeah, I know Khabib is on his way out, but there's a vacant belt to be fought over. Now, previously, that would have been a title fight with Khabib in it. So the fact that Chandler is now in the mix and we're going to have a vacant title fight at some point, it means that there's always going to be an odd man out. Someone is going to get stiffed by the process, right? It's just the way it is. If you're talking what have you done in terms of your career in the UFC? Charlie Olives needs to be fighting for a belt, doesn't he? Seven fight win streak. He's finishing everybody in sight, right? He's There's no arguing with his resume. Dustin Poirier has done everything that's been asked of him and he's just put away Conor McGregor and he did it two rounds quicker than Khabib did it. Two rounds quicker. Um, and he was the, the only person to knock out Conor McGregor in an MMA fight. So, there's that. He's in, right? He's a lock. Put him in. Don't bother penciling him in. Pen. Job done. He's in. I agree with you. And I know that makes for a boring podcast, but hey. it's true. I agree with you. <laughs> Michael Chandler is the guy, right? Now, I, I was high on Michael Chandler before he got to the UFC. I was very excited when he got to the UFC. And I always thought that Michael Chandler versus Khabib would be an incredible fight. I really did. And I really hoped that he would get to the UFC in time to face him. It looks like 
that they've just like sliding doors. They've just kind of they've just kind of uh, passed each other like uh, like ships in a night, which is a shame. Chandler, for me, for, you can't deny him after a performance like that. So it's it's really tricky because if you put on paper, you got Michael Chandler, one fight in the UFC, two and a half minutes, finished a guy. And then you got my, <laughs> then you got Charles Oliveira, been in the UFC virtually a decade, um, finishing everybody in sight. It should really be Charles Oliveira, but for the reasons that you said, um, and for the fact that I think Michael Chandler probably has a bit more sway with the UFC brass, given he's just come into the UFC. I think he's got himself a nice fat contract. I think he's probably got a few bits and pieces in there that mean he's going to be a big-time player. Unless he starts getting absolutely starched left and right, he's going to be a major player at 155 pounds. And after that win on Saturday, there's no denying the guy. I would do that fight and I would do it as soon as possible. Um, Gaethje versus Oliveira seems to make a lot of sense. Dan Hooker, I think you could put in there. Dan Hooker versus Justin Gaethje uh, also makes a lot of sense. But then Charles Oliveira needs a fight. So it really is tricky. Conor McGregor, I think you remove him from the 155-pound mix at this point because he's taken an L. Um, he's he's 3-3 three and three in his last six fights in the UFC, which is kind of incredible to consider. Um, given his star power, given everything, three and three in his last six. All three of those defeats by stoppage, by the way. Submitted twice, TKO'd by um, Dustin Poirier. So he needs he needs another fight. And who does he fight against? It needs to be somebody outside of the lightweight division, probably. Um, Nate Diaz is an obvious choice. But I also think that the, that the negotiations with Nate Diaz might take a while. And I know Conor McGregor wants to get back in the mix as soon as possible. There is another fight that you could do, and that fight is the Max Holloway fight. And you could do that at 155 pounds. So Max Holloway is in a tricky position in the featherweight division. He's clearly the best featherweight in the world, not named Alex Volkanovsky, right? Um, who has two wins over him, albeit one controversial. Volkanovsky's tied up. He's fighting Brian Ortega coming up soon. Uh, if that fight is anything other than a complete first-round blowout, he's going to need some time off after that to, to recover. So Max isn't getting a title shot at 45, probably until the back end of this year. So what's he going to do? Why not face Conor McGregor? Conor Mc, uh, Max Holloway said he's the best boxer in the UFC. Conor McGregor fancies himself as the best boxer in the UFC. Do it in the cage or do it in the boxing ring. Dana White said he wants to get Zufa boxing up and running at some point. Why not? Make it happen. It's a nice little busman's holiday for the pair of them. Put them in the boxing ring or do a 155-pound uh, non-title fight between them. You could headline headline a card with it. It doesn't take up a title fight slot on your, on your schedule, but it fulfills a pay-per-view, right? So everyone's a winner. But that's the fight I would book. But while I'm booking that fight, I'm negotiating with Diaz. And then you do the Diaz fight after that. And if he gets through the Diaz fight and the Holloway fight, then... You've got the Dustin Poirier fight potentially further down the line. And if Dustin Poirier's got the belt, boom, he goes for a title again. But he, he will have had to have earned it first. So that's what I would do. That's what I would do. But Michael Chandler, yeah, I would I would strike while the iron's hot with him. I really would. I think he's come in there and having made the noise that he's made, see how he goes. Chuck him in there with Dustin Poirier. That'd be a great fight. And the thing is, Poirier couldn't be less interested in facing Michael Chandler. Did you hear him on the post-fight press conference? He doesn't want to fight Michael Chandler. He, he, he wants to fight Nate Diaz. He wants to fight Conor McGregor. Neither one of those fights makes sense if you want to fight for a belt. So Poirier needs to decide, do I want the biggest fight or do I want the championship? If he wants a championship, got to face Mikey C. See, I understand Dustin Poirier's motivation for both Conor and for Nate. With Conor... It's a pay, it's a mass it's the biggest payday because you now have all the power with regards to going to the negotiation table because on the other side of the coin you've got Connor probably blowing up Dana White's phone saying I want this trilogy fight ASAP. Connor, I mean Dana White obviously wants to get as many Connor McGregor fights in there as possible because it's big business for everybody involved. So Dustin Poirier asking for that Connor McGregor fight, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Throwing a UFC lightweight championship in the mix. And given how you just performed against Conor McGregor, you've got to be fancying your chances about not only ending the trilogy 2-1, but also capturing what you've been after your entire career. Makes all the sense in the world. Nate Diaz, they were scheduled to fight at UFC 230 not too long ago. 
right? So you know he's up for it. And, you know, the way he kind of laid it up was beautiful, just talking about how Nate Diaz has been talking smack and he hasn't really competed that much and he wants to kind of get get that one done because they were scheduled to fight once already. So that makes all the sense, all the sense in the world as well. But, yeah, I agree with you, Simon. And like I said before, I think Michael Chandler just, you know, that debut was just phenomenal. And, you know, when you compare it to Charles Oliveira in the UFC, yeah, it isn't really – it's not apples for apples, you know, comparison, but you have to take into consideration what Michael Chandler has done in the past, his overall record. He is a champion in, 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 in another promotion in Bellator. And, you know, like you said, I agree. I think the UFC have pray, you know, paid a pretty penny for the services of one Michael Chandler. And he can cut a promo, he can do all the pre-fight, you know, interviews. He can really hype up a fight. Charles Oliveira just can't do that. And uh, I, I think he needs one more fight. If this was purely based on meritocracy, we wouldn't have a podcast. There would be no speculation. It'll be easy as A, B, C, and one, two, three with regards to who would fight who all the time. There are always a mixture of variables involved with regards to who is going to be fighting next and who's going to be fighting for the title. Just looking at how Twitter has blown up over the last 24 to 48 hours. Everybody, I feel like, in this lightweight division is jockeying for position now. You've got Nate Diaz. He's blowing up Twitter. You've got Tony and Justin, you know, going at it as well a little bit with Nate Diaz. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all shakes out. The one thing I will say about Conor McGregor, though, is it's not all doom and gloom. Now, you kind of go back to the performance itself for a second. Yes, I mean, those leg kicks, we have seen this now, especially in the last couple of years. They've become so prevalent in how a fighter can disable his or her opponent. And perhaps it hasn't happened in the most high, highest of profile fights. Well, it certainly happened this weekend. And now all of a sudden, everyone's talking about leg kicks, right? But for Conor McGregor, like he said, he didn't take too much trauma to the head. Obviously, the swelling will go down on his calf and his leg, and, and he'll be hunky-dory in no time. And he's going to be wanting to get back in there ASAP. This could still be a fantastic year for Conor McGregor. And the way I kind of envision things playing out, potentially in a fantasy matchmaking sense. You do Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 3, the trilogy. And I actually disagree with you, Simon. I just think the UFC negotiating with, with Nate's going to be easier than perhaps it has been in the past because they were already talking about, hey, we've got a fight lined up for Nate. So they were already talking in recent weeks, and it looks like it was potentially going to be Justin Gaethje. It looks like that from really the tea leaves. Maybe they pivot and go in a different direction just given the circumstances of this past weekend. But in terms of negotiating a deal to bring Nate Diaz back to, to, for a fight, I don't think it's going to be as challenging as perhaps you know it has been in the past. So in any sense, Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz 3, you do it in the summer. Maybe that's your July 4th weekend um, you know, Independence Day card in, in Las Vegas or something. Dustin Poirier goes and fights for the title. Maybe it's Michael Chandler. Maybe it's Charles Oliveira. That remains to be seen. If Dustin is successful and becomes the UFC lightweight champion, and if Conor McGregor is successful in the trilogy fight against Nate Diaz 3, then all roads lead to a mega fight, a super fight, a trilogy fight. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz 3, this time for the UFC lightweight championship to end the year. And so for me, and I put this out on Twitter, this is kind of me doing my mystic Sandu prediction. This could be the year of trilogies for Conor McGregor. A win over Diaz in the third fight in the summer, a win over Dustin Poirier in the third fight to, to once again become the UFC lightweight champion. And then it's off to the races once again with Conor McGregor. For Conor, his whole goal has been he wants to get back into the mix and become the UFC lightweight champion again. You can't put him, in my opinion, you can't put him in the title picture right now coming off an L. He gets just one win, and yeah, you could put him, again, I feel bad for guys like Charles Oliveira, but when Conor McGregor's involved, you throw the, you throw the, rule, book, you throw the rule book out, you know? Um, so yeah, one win against Diaz and then back into the mix of the title picture. But yeah, that's how I'd fantasy match make this year for Conor McGregor, Simon. Where do you think Conor McGregor goes from from here? And how do you think, in general, he's handled the loss? That's the one thing we haven't really touched on with regards to the post-fight press conference. We saw these fantastic images and videos come out from behind the scenes with, between Dustin and Conor. I think we should uh, weigh in on that as well. 
Yeah, very quickly, just to put a bow on on like McGregor and what's next and all the rest of it. Um, I think there are two fights that are realistic. I mentioned Max Holloway. That's what I would like to see happen. I don't think that is what will happen. I think we're going to see Nate Diaz or we're going to see the Dustin Poirier rematch straight away. Um, shout out John Kavanagh with an excellent bit of passive aggressive stuff on um, whether it's intentional or not. I'll let I'll let everybody be the judge for themselves. But it I kind of wondered. Uh, talking to Ariel Helwani on ESPN, uh, he was asked he was asked what what Connor wants next, and uh, he said Connor Connor is harassing everybody to try and get the Poirier rematch. And uh, and then he and he said something very interesting. He said, uh, and if that doesn't happen, if 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 that doesn't work out, then I don't know what will happen. Maybe you'll maybe you'll go off and and, and go back to boxing, which is ever so slightly passive aggressive. It's kind of like if he doesn't get what he wants, he's not gonna he's not gonna fight in the UFC. He's gonna go and box. Um, so that's an interesting one, and I find it hard to. I mean, the UFC have given title shots to people coming off losses before. This is not new. Uh, Jose Aldo got a title shot coming off a loss, um, but that was a disputed loss in 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 the UFC's defense. They they felt that uh, Jose Aldo had won that fight, so they treated him as if he had. There's no arguing over the result of that fight on Saturday night. Conor McGregor got well and truly beat. So to give him a title shot. Um, when there are clear contenders sitting there waiting to go, I think would be would be nothing short of disgraceful, to be honest. Um, so I think the DS fight is the most logical next one. Um, as for McGregor and his reaction, I thought McGregor through the whole of fight week, before, even during the fight, you know, during the you know when he got in the cage and the rest of it, and after the fight, has been pure class. And I know. I've seen on social media people saying, I don't like McGregor when he's like this. You know, I like him better when he's he's mouthing off and, you know, winding people up and all the rest of it. I disagree because I think there are times where McGregor has, has gone a little bit too far and has overreached. The Khabib fight is an obvious one. I think post Mayweather, it kind of got a little bit weird. So this, for me, was my favorite Conor McGregor. You know, he came in, he was a bit like it for the Donald Cerrone fight as well, to be fair. Um, very relaxed, just went about his business and spoke like a, you know, like a, a normal person would speak under, under sort of interview conditions. You know, he didn't feel like he had to go out there and give it the big sell. He is the big sell. He knows he doesn't need to do that now. And he just went out there and he was full of respect. The fight was full of respect. Even when he lost, Straight away, he was congratulating um, Dustin Poirier for his performance. And credit to him, shows up at the post-fight press conference. Normally, people who lose, uh, you won't necessarily see them after a fight. Connor, with all respect to the man, whatever you might think about him and the things that he's done, and let's be honest, he steps over the line more than once over the years. When he loses, the man fronts up. And I don't think I don't think you can you can say a bad word about about that he you know he went up in front of the press i think he was in front of the press for like 25 minutes half an hour on saturday night uh with his leg i think he described his leg was had it felt like it had an american football stuck to it um for him to be there at the press conference answer all those questions be very upfront about how he felt about everything admitting that maybe the manny pacquiao fight that that sounded like it was close to being signed could be out the window i thought that was interesting Incidentally, Ryan Garcia has just uh, today put out a, a, a fan poster saying that he is going to fight Manny Pacquiao next. So uh, the plot thickens with that as well. So maybe Pac- Pac-Man's going to go fight someone else now. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought the way he dealt with the whole the whole thing was pure class. Now we've been through that process. He's uh, He put out a message when he was on his boat. Now the talk begins what's coming next. And I think the seeds are now being planted. John Kavanagh today, that's the first one. We're going to see more and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's Diaz or Poirier. I think if there's any justice, Poirier will be fighting for a belt next against another contender. So the Diaz fight, I think, is the one that is most likely, to be honest. I really want to give, you know, major props to both Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. This match, this fight... The seeds were planted late last year through charitable efforts. We saw, you know, 
Conor McGregor and his McGregor Sports and Entertainment donating half a million dollars to the Good Fight Foundation. Fight week, pure class, mutual respect. You know, proper proper 12 whiskey, Dustin Poirier's Louisiana hot sauce, the exchange at the weigh-ins and the face-off. They brought it. They were intense, but there was respect. And this wasn't a fight that really needed any trash talk or anything like that. I enjoyed this fight this this past week. I actually really enjoyed the fight week. It was really intriguing because you knew it was all about what, what was going to happen on Saturday night. Styles make fights, right? And you saw the growth in Dustin Poirier. His his corner and his team strategically did a fantastic job. And I have to say, you know, for Conor McGregor, what he said about inactivity, I believe it. Because in his run-up to the featherweight championship and then the lightweight championship, he was fighting so often. He was fighting so consistently, and he was in a good rhythm and in a good flow. And then since then, there was the Mayweather fight. Then there was the Khabib fight, a long layoff. Donald Cerrone, okay, you know, it was a good performance by Conor McGregor. It was like 40 seconds or something. But Donald Cerrone isn't your top-level, top-echelon you know, opponent. Dustin Poirier is. Tony Ferguson is. Justin Gaethje is. These are the top guys. And if you want to keep your skills sharp, those are the kind of guys you've got to be competing against. On a regular basis, you know, going back to what we said earlier on, Charles Oliveira, like this guy, from a meritocracy standpoint, he's the man in form. He's an absolute killer. And I wouldn't be surprised if he went all the way to win the UFC lightweight championship. A week ago, when we were kind of giving our predictions, we both said Conor McGregor. But I think we both said this. I, I specifically remember me saying this. I was far more confident in Conor McGregor going into the Donald Cerrone fight because it was Donald Cerrone. I said I would not be surprised if Dustin Poirier won because he's in that mix of the top-level, elite, best-of-the-best guys in that 155-pound division. So, yeah, you know, I picked Connor, but I was not surprised to see Dustin do what he did. So I'm just curious to see now how this whole lightweight division shakes up. There's going to be so much speculation. I'm sure there's already tons of talks going on behind the scenes right now from Connor's camp, from Dustin's camp. I think they both came out of the situation fairly unscathed from physical injury-wise. Like I said, Connor's going to have a limp for a bit, but I'm sure you know that'll sort itself out. And then you've got the other guys, the Justin Gaethje's, Charles Oliveira's, and Nate Diaz is just chomping at the bit, Michael Chandler, all just chomping at the bit to, to get into that mix now for that lightweight uh, championship. But uh, like I said, going back to what I was you know, leading off this segment with, with regards to just a pure class that was shown both before and after the event, seeing those videos, BT Sport did a fantastic job. There are a few people in the mix to capture this moment between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor backstage, you know, behind the curtain where the press conference usually goes down. BT Sport, lads did a great job getting right in there, right in between the two of them. And if you haven't seen it, go out your way. Just do a quick little Google search because the exchange between Dustin and Connor is just absolutely outstanding. And I think a lot of people that aren't involved in this sport that perhaps just tune in for a Connor McGregor fight that want to see a wild, crazy, trash-talking Connor McGregor maybe don't see this side of him. We have seen this side of him in the past. Um, not that often, but we have seen it. And I think it's a good look all round. And look, Connor's taken his licks. He's taken his L. You've based the music. And, I'll, and like you said, I'll say the same thing. I'll co-sign that, Simon. You have to respect anyone. Uh, the, I think the most famous example of that is Dominic Cruz from a few years ago. But Connor McGregor, he comes out after taking a high-profile loss in this manner. The, you know, Dustin Poirier, we haven't even mentioned this, the first fighter to ever knock out Connor McGregor. That's that's incredible on your legacy as it is. Nobody else has done that ever. And so for Connor to come out, face the music, answer the questions, face the media, handle all his you know post fight obligations, take her on the chin, so to speak, and then still within a matter of twenty four hours, already start putting out on social media that he's you know keeping his head held high and he's already thinking about making his return. That is his mindset. And so I feel like we're gonna get. A good couple of Conor McGregor fights this year, Simon. It's still going to be a busy year. It's still going to be a fantastic you know, year for the UFC and MMA in general. And I feel like Conor McGregor is still going to be at the forefront with regards to what we're going to be talking about in 2021. Everyone loves a comeback story, right? Everyone loves a comeback story. And just to 
just quickly go back on the uh, McGregor thing. Two things. Number one, my first ever US event that I covered was UFC 189, um, where um, it was the featherweight interim featherweight title against against Chad Mendes. That went his way. I've been. To, I went to a whole load of McGregor events stateside. I went on a bit, a, a bit of a run. I did every McGregor event from that one through till Madison Square Garden, UFC 205. But I was there when he got beat by Nate Diaz. I was there when he got beat by Nate Diaz and he fronted up at the press conference. And I sat, I think I sat next to his mum or his dad um, at the back of the room at the press conference. You got all the tables at the front and then they just had seats because there was a huge media attendance there. And I was sat now, it was his dad. And I turned to his dad, Tony, and said, I said, that's, that's top class. He's, he's showing up, you know, all everything that had been said in the lead up to the fight. He said, he said, yeah, he said, you've got to go in there and, you know, you say what you say, but at the end of the day, if you win, you win with class. If you lose, you lose with class. And, and uh, that's what he did. And really, if you look at combat sport, you look at any kind of fight sport, it is a sport of ego, isn't it? It's you saying, yeah, I can beat you. I can physically beat you and there is no way you're going to beat me. And you have to have a certain amount of ego to even step in there and compete uh, and a certain level of self-confidence and losing can be such a crushing, crushing thing. I mean, losing at anything can be, can be absolutely heartbreaking, but in combat sports, it is the most, the most exposing thing because you've got the whole period leading up to the fight where you're telling everybody why you're going to win why you're better than the other guy. And then when you lose, it means everything you said was wrong. And to then be able to come out in front of the people who you've been telling all this stuff, having lost, that takes some balls. And uh, yeah, all credit, all credit, because not everybody does it. Um, and uh, Connor always has, always has. So uh, from that point of view, absolutely absolutely uh hats off to him you know i i, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen with him next a redemption story is always there you know everyone loves a comeback story it's just about booking the right fights at this point and uh he's a man he, you know for a guy who's three and three in his last six and just got basically knocked out he was he looked for a split second looked like he was out actually in that fight um for that to happen and to still have the options that mcgregor has that's the star power of conor mcgregor so i don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon hopefully we see him back sort of early summertime maybe uh against nate diaz or, or maybe max holloway but uh yeah i don't think we've seen the last of conor mcgregor yet and some of the stuff that i've seen on social media taking pot shots at him is like what what's wrong what's wrong with these people sandu you know like turn around like, okay yeah he, he got beat he got beat but i mean you know the memes and all the rest of it but i mean people love to dance on that man's grave and i, I, I think it's a bit sad to be honest I mean, that's part and parcel of fame and uh, having that really mega celebrity status. You know, he's Conor McGregor, your Kardashians, the royal family. He's LeBron James. All these people get it. They're in a, they're in a completely different stratosphere when it comes to how, you know, how famous you are. And the internet can be a horrible, horrible place, especially on social media. And I'm sure Conor's, you know, felt this in the past. I'm sure... He's completely invincible to it now. I don't think he's gonna see this stuff and and get that affected by it. To be honest with you, but yeah, you know that's just a the state of the world as it is sometimes. Simon, you have uh, you know especially in combat sports. You know, you, I'm sure there's like Dustin Poirier fans, and Conor McGregor fans, and there's Khabib fans, and everyone's got a, a stake in terms of who they want to see win and who they want to see lose and all the rest of it, right? But um, very quickly, want to you know just get your take on this, Simon. If they do Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor three next for the UFC lightweight championship, just curious, who are you picking in that one? Oh, that's a great question. I think based on what we've seen, I think you have to pick Dustin Poirier at this point. I think some people might say, "Oh, you know, you're bandwagon jumping." Well, you're not because you got to look at the evidence that's in front of your eyes, okay? Conor McGregor hit Dustin Poirier with some big shots in that fight. And that, that for me, was the biggest, the biggest takeaway, really, comparing that to his previous fight. McGregor clipped him on the back of the head once at UFC 178, and that was it. Lights out, game over. He caught Dustin Poirier with a lot of big shots, and he just ate them like, 
a bunch of cookies for the whole fight. It was that tells you how good and strong he is at 155 pounds, how healthy he is at 155 pounds. His, his durability is is so much better at that weight compared to where he was at 45, and obviously really drained. And actually, that that loss to McGregor at, at 178 was his last fight at 45. After that, I think that was the moment where he's like, okay, I'm moving up to 55 now. And I, I think uh, Jorge Masvidal, during one of the, uh, it might be one of the countdown shows, they did a little bit with him, a uh, longtime training partner of Dustin Poirier. And he was, he said he was one of the people who said to Poirier, you should move up to 55. You're easily, you know, you know, the right size for the division. Why keep killing yourself to make 45, move up to 55. And that move has proved to be, has proved to be very successful. Yeah. I think I would, I think, Sitting here right now, I would back Dustin Poirier. I mean, I think he he uh, he won the fight. He, you know, we've seen the fight. If we if we were talking a few fights further down the line, maybe maybe I'd have a different pick because there's room for there's room for growth, room for evolution. But if we're talking an immediate rematch, I think you got to go with a guy who won by knockout the first time round, haven't you? I agree with you, Simon. And I don't know if this is how the bookies make their money, but for a for a potential immediate rematch. Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz three. Conor McGregor is the bookie's favorite right now. Of course he is. <laughs> Which is crazy, but I guess that's that's how the bookies, that's what they want. They want all the money to come in on the favorite, Conor McGregor fans and all the rest of it, so that if Dustin wins, they can just cash out. But um, but yeah, I'm in the same situation as you, and I'm of the same opinion, rather. And that is, if they were to have an immediate rematch, I'm picking Dustin Poirier to win because of just recency bias with regards to what we just saw a matter of days ago if they go their separate ways and we see like i said conor mcgregor fight and diaz get some more cage time get another camp have some time to evolve as a fighter come back later on in the year for a dustin poirier trilogy fight where he can you know maybe perhaps deploy a different strategy or be a little bit more aware of what dustin might do again I might be inclined to pick Conor McGregor in that situation, but right now, yeah, I'd pick Conor McGregor. Oh, Dustin Poirier, rather. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating one. It's, the other thing, sort of very briefly, going back to the whole Khabib thing, Khabib told Dana White exactly what Dustin Poirier needed to do to win the fight, and that's what Dustin Poirier went out and did. He said he needs to wrestle, he needs to wrestle him early, he needs to take him down, wrestle him early tire him out a bit and then then stop him later on. And he said the longer the fight went on, the more it goes towards Dustin Poirier. Well, the fight didn't actually go on that long. You know, it was like two rounds or halfway through the second round or something. So it was, it was, I thought it was a great performance and, and something we haven't really touched upon. I know we talked about the class of, of, of Conor McGregor in, in, in defeat. I think it's, it's worth saying it is almost impossible not to be pleased and to be happy for Dustin Poirier. Um, the man is, is pure class. He, the things he does for his, his area where he lives with the good fight foundation and all the rest of it, you know, he's quite an intense individual, uh, where you see him in fight mode. He's got that sort of intense look about him. He's mellowed a little bit over the years, but he is pure class. He always has been. And I remember, I think you were over in Dublin with me when he was supposed to headline against, uh, Joe Duffy at UFC fight night at the O2 in Dublin. And I will always remember hearing of the news that uh, Joe Duffy was uh, forced out of the fight. He'd been flash KO'd in his final sparring session and he didn't get medically cleared to fight. This was at about two days to go before the weigh-ins. And within about five minutes of hearing this news, the first fighter that I laid eyes on in the flesh was Dustin Poirier who was just walking into the hotel bar at the Gibson, which is the hotel literally just over the way from the O2 arena where we were all based. And I just went up to him and said, Dustin, I'm sorry to hear about the fight. And he said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm absolutely gutted. And I said, would you mind giving us five minutes on camera just to talk about it? And I fully expected him to turn around and go, do you know what, man? I, I, I'm not ready for this yet. And he said, yeah, no problem at all. He did five minutes for me. He did five or six minutes for MMA Junkie, by which time a whole load of other media guys had spotted that, you know, we were talking to him. And he must have done about half an hour of impromptu media stuff for a fight that had just fallen through for him. Um, and I think there was talk of him fighting 
uh, Norman Park on that card. I think Norman Park had offered to step up and he decided not to take that fight because there was no upside for him. So he knew he wasn't fighting. He'd flown all the way over to Dublin. His fight had gone. This was his big headliner that was hopefully going to get him towards a title fight. It fell through and the man couldn't have been more classy in terms of dealing with us as the media. And, uh, you know, that, that level of class has just gone onwards and upwards since then. And uh, I've got all the respect in the world for the man. It's also been great to see the evolution of Dustin Poirier outside of the cage, the businessman. I mean, it's fascinating to see what's happened. And I don't want to like, you know, sound like Conor McGregor fanboy here. But look, from the moment Conor McGregor introduced Proper 12 Whiskey and leveraged his brand as an Irishman and you know, leaning into Irish whiskey in general and that industry to create his own brand, what have we seen? We've seen Darren Till do the whole raw dog you know, brand and we've got raw dog beer and all the rest of it. That's really on brand for Dust for Darren Till. We've seen Jorge Mazdal with his Mezcal, again, completely on brand for him. I have and a have, bottle of it in my kitchen. There you go. And then you've got Dustin Poirier with his Louisiana hot sauce, completely on brand for him. I love seeing this kind of stuff and I, and I hope others are starting to pay attention with regards to how they can leverage their brand leverage this opportunity the spotlight that they are under while they are active fighters in the ufc and how they can generate revenue and create alternative revenue streams that will last forever that will last beyond their fighting career dustin poi said the press post-fight press conference he's interested in the conor mcgregor trilogy fight or nate diaz and if it's not one of them, then don't bother calling me. I'm going to go and sell my hot sauce. That was his quote. That's exactly what he said. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the UFC end up negotiating things with Dustin Poirier behind the scenes if, in fact, it isn't one of the proposed situations that Poirier wants. If it isn't McGregor and if it isn't Diaz, if it's somebody else they want or if it's somebody else that they're looking to put into that title mix with Dustin Poirier, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to put a nice little bow there on on what you started, which is just Dustin Poirier in and out of the cage, his background, his history, complete class. Yeah, and uh, as I say, it's hard to uh, to just wish the guy anything other than uh, other than success. You know, when he's when he's, he's giving back in, in in the way that he does, and uh, the fact that him and McGregor have sort of teamed up uh, to sort of put put some more money towards that, and they talked about doing stuff with Justin Wren as well and uh, the fight for the forgotten uh, charity with the, uh, the pygmy people um, that all of that is outstanding. And it's, it, it shows the sport in a good light as well. You know, I remember when I first got into this sport, having to try and justify it to people, you know, it's so, it's so funny how far this sport has come in, in, in the UK, me having to literally argue with people and tell them why, their misconceptions were exactly that misconceptions, why they were wrong, why these guys, you know, in, in, in most cases weren't just these bloodthirsty lunatics who have no, no skill, no brain. You know what I mean? And because, because that was the perception, you know, and, and now here we are, you know, these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're businessmen, they're on, they're entrepreneurs. They're in, in many cases, stateside They're you know, they're college educated, these are elite level athletes and some of the toughest athletes on the planet. And they get in occasion, they produce incredible moments like we saw on Saturday night, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker, who I'm sure will be back better than ever, by the way. I think he put his, he took his gloves off at the end of that fight, by the way, Sandy, just very quickly. And I wondered, is he, is he going to retire? I really hope that that wasn't the case because there is plenty more to come from the hangman. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets himself back in contention again. This lightweight division is, is so crazy, but um, yeah, this sport is, is just going levels, levels, levels. And uh, even with the pandemic still raging, we, you know, we had an event with fans in the building on Saturday night. That was another big plus. It's only like two and a half thousand, but small steps and all the rest of it. I thought it was a, it was a big weekend for the sport. Um, and even though Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the sport ended up taking an L the sport as a whole took a great big fat W. I think I thought it was a it was a great a great weekend for the sport. That's probably not a bad place to wrap things up this week, Sander. Unless you've got any other business before we finish. 
No, I mean, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head at the start of the show today, Simon. I mean, prelims, not really much talk about. With regards to the best of the rest on the main card, I think the biggest takeaway for us being the Brit Pack was great to see Joanne Coldwood um, get a, a win over Jessica I. Again, just going back to the fact that she's fighting on a Conor McGregor pay-per-view main card. And it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens next, whether that's enough for her to you know, get into position to fight for the title, just given the lack of, I guess, real contenders in that flyweight division, or perhaps, you know, whether she has to fight, you know, once more. And um, it was a bit shocking to see Amanda Hebas take an L against Marina Rodriguez, although perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I don't know how to take that one because, man, I was really high on Amanda Hebas, and um, I'm sure the UFC and Dana White were as well, which is why they put her on this main card. Uh, but going back to your um, other point, with regards to the hangman i personally didn't see him take his gloves off because i was so already just caught up in the chaos of what was going on with michael chandler and you know his performance and his post-fight interview and, and all the rest of it so i saw people online on twitter talk about hey we just saw dan hooker take off his gloves i hope that doesn't mean he's calling time in his career i think he's incredibly talented obviously he's fighting the best of the best he's fighting the upper echelon of that 155 pound division or it maybe be a bad idea to put the hangman in there with tony ferguson maybe right both of them you know now taking uh you know a couple of defeats need to get back on the bandwagon and you know see where they're at that might be a good litmus test to see where they are both at in their respective careers but yeah i mean that's everything that i had on my side simon i think it was a big weekend echo when i want to echo everything you just said Massive weekend for the sport, massive weekend for the UFC. Business is absolutely booming, and it kind of capped off an incredible week in Fight Island. We've got a week off now before things go back to Las Vegas and the Apex, and we get this big run of events in February. But business is absolutely booming so far for the UFC in 2021. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, through 2021. You know, clearly the UFC are, uh, you know, full steam ahead. Although Dana did say that he was a little bit worried about the new incoming presidential administration might make international travel a little bit trickier, maybe imposing some quarantines and things like that, which might make things tricky. And he even, it was a bit of a throwaway comment, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. He said, I might even have to move over to Abu Dhabi for this year. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. If they can, if they can get more, uh, more fight Island uh, stints in the bag, he was talking about June, July, I think uh, for the next one. So, uh, we've got a run of shows at the Apex coming up uh, over the next couple of months. So uh, get used to the uh, the UFC Apex because we're going to see quite a lot of it in the coming weeks. Um, we have got shows this weekend. KSW have got a show. Uh, One Championship have got a show that technically already happened, but we haven't seen it yet because uh, they, they record like two or three shows and put out put out one part of it live and the other two on tape delay. So the part two is coming out this Friday. And uh, if you've got fight passes, an LFA show as well. So if you still want your fix of live MMA, there is stuff out there. You can get one championship on YouTube in the UK, uh, BR Live, I think it is stateside, um, LFA on fight pass, and uh, KSW. You can get that from kswtv.com. That's a pay-per-view. So um, there's stuff out there if you want to get it. And uh, that is... Is your your that's your lot, Sandu? It's been a crazy, crazy week. We had an amazing fight night, and uh, as I'm sure people out there will understand, it has been a uh, a packed show, largely surrounding that 155 pound division and what happens next. Whatever does happen next, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun seeing how it all plays out over 2021. Absolutely right. So, folks, friends, fans, listeners, do us a favor: go to Apple if that's your preferred podcast catcher to listen to the show and give us a rate give us a review that would go a massive way in helping us specifically on apple Podcasts. we are of course available if you're not listening to us on apple podcast on spotify the substack is available the britpack.substack.com we also have the website the britpackmma.com there you can find everything where you can follow us on social media where you can listen to the show and all the rest of it We've said this now for a few weeks. YouTube is the big platform where we really want everyone to hopefully migrate to. Right now, the show is available in an audio-only format on YouTube, but it's going to be video. It's happening. It's happening soon. 
hopefully by the end of this quarter, maybe a little bit sooner. But Simon and I are working very, very hard behind the scenes to make sure when we do go to video that it's looking the absolute bollocks. Um, and finally, where you can follow myself and Simon, at Simon Head on Twitter, at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. I am at Sandu MMA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to follow uh, the show, the show handle on Twitter is at the Britpack MMA. Big week for the sport of MMA. Huge event for the UFC. Things calm down a little bit for the next seven days. So maybe use this to just reintroduce yourself to your family again. Take some time out. Play with the kids if you've got them. And then get ready because there's a whole load more UFC events coming down the pipe. Bellator are coming back. One championship are up and running. When we get to March, Cage Warriors are back as well. MMA is the show that never stops and we are going to follow it every week right here on the Brit Pack. Enjoy the next seven days. Take some time out and we will be back to get ready for the next run of fights next week. Mm -hmm.